being curious is i don't know if it is supported by or if it leads to uh you know an ability to be okay with the consequences an ability to accept like whatever may happen so there is no fear of a consequence or there is no fear of a result it's just let's see what happens it could be good or bad but let's let's just see what shows up and that is so much difficult for a lot of people because a lot of people these days are just not able to do something or even begin something because there is such a huge fear of what if it doesn't go right what if it doesn't go well so in that case in that way i think curiosity seems to be like the essential for everyone for coming. Um, we're just going to hang out for a couple minutes. And um, as we are hanging out, I'm going to share my screen so I can show you something. Hopefully yes. I'm going to show you something that's appropriate. Google Chrome. <laughs> this holy crap. And in the okay, meantime, do you, do you see my, do you see Coach Nook? Yes? Come yes. on. Yes. Yes. Okay. I do. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. This is Coach Nook, you guys. For those of you who have not been on there yet, um, that's awesome that you have not discovered it yet, but you will discover it soon because it is amazing and wonderful. Yes. Um, and it is a community. And the reason I'm showing you this particular slide is because um, I will in a sec, because I don't know how to multitask in freaking Zoom. Um, I will post a link to this poll so that you can answer it because we want to hear from you as to when you want us to do an event. Um, we'll be doing some sort of big event and we've done it on weekends, we've done it on weekdays and it's worked and it hasn't worked. And honestly, like we don't want to keep throwing darts at the board and see who shows up. We kind of want to hear from you. Although, however, the poll right now is very much 50-50. So I don't know if we're actually going to get too many insights. So I'll post the link again because i just posted it not to everyone but just to panelists like honestly guys my brain i really shouldn't be here um so please go to that link uh it'll make you log into coach nook if you're already part of it if you're not please register but coach nook is a brand new online community and actually it's pretty freaking awesome so far so i yeah. hope you love it and i hope that this little poll which i'll post one more time is going to be the first thing that gets you there. And then you'll stay for all the wonderful coachy things. Wonderful. And now we've got our audience, lovely audience pouring Ooh. in from Finland, Dublin, Dubai, Mumbai, Argentina, all over the world. Welcome, welcome everybody. And a word about Coach Nog Magda. I love it. I wouldn't call it the Facebook of coaches because it's it's a very safe space, really. Nobody trolls anybody. Everybody supports everybody. You can put up questions which are otherwise so scary to ask anybody. And then there'll be ample support and coaches to answer those questions. You can share, you can write. It's wonderful. Still exploring and still seeing yeah. how it's going to come up. 
still being curious about it. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you like it. I really like it. I was um, absolutely. I'm very happy that people are enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm learning things. And um, I think it's going to become a bit of a time suck for me because <laughs> what's like the opposite of doom scrolling? Because it's not doom scrolling. Like it's it's learn scrolling. I don't know. Um, yeah. And computer's falling, honestly. It's really cool. Anyway, so I'm learning things every single day and um, we'll be trying a new thing on there. You don't know this yet. Uh, we'll be, we, me at least, probably talking to myself as usual. Um, we'll be doing uh, coaching and cocktails slash coffee. Like a little discussion group. So you guys Wonderful. can come and we can, I don't know, talk about something. Hopefully a coach will show up so the coach can be like intelligent and I'll just drink the cocktail. <laughs> I'll be the cocktail part. <laughs> you can be the coffee part. <laughs> All right. So everybody knows Magda uh, in our community. Manu, why don't you introduce yourself to our lovely oh community? <laughs> so overly. So I'm Manu and I am actually a full-time therapist, also coach. And there is a distinction between therapy and coaching. So that is something I always let people know. And I'm also an author of a multi-author book, which is uh, on Amazon, actually two of them right now. Two books. Nice. <laughs> They're called Creativity is Whatever You Want It to Be and Invisible No More Stepping Into Your Spotlight. And these are some things that I'm very passionate about. And Coleman and I have been on this amazing journey. I'm a mom. I'm a person trying to evolve as every day goes. So I don't just like to define myself with just a professional name. So there's different hats I wear other than that. So yeah. And wonderful. You're welcome. That's awesome. Um, hey, Manu, can you put the links to your books, please, at some point sure. when you at are some not? Point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if you don't, that's okay. Make sure you email them to me so that I can put them on the blog post. So anyone who sees this later will also yeah. get your links. Um, Absolutely. And actually, Magda, both the books that um, I've written with the other authors, all of the proceeds actually go to different charities. Ooh. So one of them is the World Central Kitchen, which um, you know feeds people. It's actually providing about 300,000 meals a day in Ukraine right now because of it was the, the location was actually bombed. So there's been a little bit of discrepancy, but now we're rebuilding it. And the other one, the first one, the creativity is whatever you want it to be. The proceeds actually go to um, artists of all abilities. So it's pretty cool. Cool. and they're good books love right, it Como, read yes it, right? i've read yes wonderful and let's begin today's webinar and why we three are here is because personally the two ladies present here are two out of three most curious people i have met in my life so i was like okay let's put you on the spot and see and understand and learn a little more about curiosity and how it helps, how it doesn't help, where does it really come from? <laughs> like what makes you two people so curious? And uh, is it always good? Should we have some caution? Are there any people who are really not curious and can they pretend to be curious like there's so many questions so many angles mm. so why don't we begin with what makes you so curious life um <laughs> 
seriously, like, I, I, <laughs> I, I kind of, I, I had this reaction when, when you emailed, I was like, <gasps> okay, because <laughs> my first reaction is usually, yes, I'm curious to figure out what's going to be. Um, and then I went and dyed my hair, like literally right after the webinar, because <laughs> I've been curious what I would look like with no hair. So I shaved my head a few months ago. Then I was curious to see what I would look like in my, you know, M&M incarnation. So I bleached it. And, and after you've sent the email, I'm like, you know what? I feel like I should have a change for the webinar. So um, the moral of that story is that perhaps curiosity isn't always great because I don't think this really goes well for me, but you don't know until you try. Um, so for me, it's like you have one life to live. You have only the minutes that you have and like, if you're not curious, then you don't get to discover anything. And yeah, you're going to fall on your face or have like Creed Bratton from the office hair for a little bit, but that's okay because, you know, I'll bleach it tomorrow and it'll be cute again. <laughs> what I'm hearing, Magda, is that the spirit of life is what's causing you to kind of ask these questions. Because if you never did, it's like you have this nice book, right? We, we can have the most expensive, most knowledgeable book or whatever you name it. But if it's closed and you don't open it and read it, we don't discover what's out there. Exactly. Yeah. What's the point of that? <laughs> wow, I love that. Beautiful. Like, yeah. So you know what? And that's why. Oh, sorry. And like this, this I just want to ask something because you just came up for me because it's spring, right? Um, and I'm definitely powered by sunshine, mm -hmm. like figuratively and literally. I need sunshine to live, and um, so I spend all of my time outside in the garden. And a lot of times when someone finds that out, they're like, oh, so what do you grow and what do you cultivate in this? Honestly, my favorite thing that I've done ever, and I do this every year now, is I just like, I get mixed wildflower seeds, which are great for butterflies and for bees, but also like, you never know what you're gonna get. It's like the best surprise ever. So that's kind of what curiosity also is for me. Like it's this reward to a surprise and you, you're not gonna always like it, but like, it's going to be something that you weren't expecting possibly. So I threw yesterday a crap load of short, apparently wildflowers. I don't care if I have any grass at all, but I'm going to have bees and butterflies and I don't know what else, but isn't it going to be great? Like over the next couple months when things come up and I, I don't know, I'm going to stick my nose in it. I'm going to smell it. And it's just going to be a surprise after surprise, a gift that keeps on giving. And like, you wouldn't have that if you were like, oh, I want to have red roses. Well, at least evolution, right? And, and, and changes and differences. Like we have inventions, discoveries that are made because of curiosity. Imagine if like Einstein was not curious, we would just, I don't know, existing like algae. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, we enjoy the light bulb or this computer that we're talking on the internet it's because of curiosity it led to evolution it led to different things it's let you know those wildflowers that you're growing who knows what they're gonna get the bees are gonna do some things and lead to other flowers or other things in life you know so curiosity definitely can lead to evolution to lead to differences you know sometimes not so good when you have mutations i mean that's the other area of it right or food so poisoning yeah, there you go. Or <laughs> Corona, <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah, but because I probably somebody's I... curiosity, like what happened. So I always question that. I'm curious as to know where do we draw that line, right? 
because there's terms like curiosity killed the cat, but then curiosity is so essential for our evolution. So where do we actually draw that line? You know, where are the boundaries? What is going to be healthy and progressive versus what's going to be destructive? So that's something I always like, you know, kind of your, your conversation is turning my world up here. <laughs> and I'm getting curious. Oh, that's good. And maybe you can um, help with that drawing of the line because I'm not very good at the line drawing. Um, so that's why I said food poisoning, because another thing that I tend to do. <laughs> so my sister's not home right now, but if she was, she would be standing behind me going like this, like Magda, like do not glorify your behaviors. Um, I tend to try things. I'm like, oh, look, that looks like sage. And when, whenever we're on holidays, especially when I'm in a new place where like, I don't know the flora, um, it's frequent that we're walking somewhere and like somehow I get distracted and before she realizes I'm already eating something that I found on the ground. <laughs> um, and then I get yelled at, she's like, Magda, we're sharing a room. I have to smell your farts later. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, sometimes, hey, get honesty with me, okay? We all fart. Um, it's not, not a coaching like the, wall, like the paint peeling off the wall. You're not dealing with that. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, yeah. So I, I tend to um, I tend to try things because I'm curious. I'm like, oh, it looks like sage. I wonder if it tastes like sage. Um, it's not always sage, you guys. Right. And what you're sharing, Magda, is is sort of answering a question for me. Like, whenever I'm cooking or doing something, I a question always haunts me. Like, okay, so how did we come here so far like how did we get to know that you know that this black pepper is edible and it can be used like somebody would have tested and tried and you know got successful or got failure or got an upset stomach or whatever and that's how the whole culinary art or a whole lot of other things would have developed and grown and if nobody would have been so curious and experimental it wouldn't be happening and what both of you are sharing is also bringing up for me is that being curious is, I don't know if it is supported by or if it leads to, uh, you know, an ability to be okay with the consequences, an ability to accept like whatever may happen. So there is no fear of a consequence or there is no fear of a result. It's just, let's see what happens. It could be good or bad, but Let's, let's just see what shows up. And that is so much difficult for a lot of people because a lot of people these days are just not able to do something or even begin something because there is such a huge fear of what if it doesn't go right? What if it doesn't go well? So in that case, in that way, I think curiosity seems to be like the essential for human growth and human development maybe that's why it's found a place into the coaching competencies mm. oh well, i think you said that that the key word is fear you know it's mm. so important to notice that because fear is what holds us in from growing because we all want to fit play it safe most of us want to play it safe and you know and curiosity and I keep going back to different inventions and discoveries because it's, it's hard not to think about these things it was someone who wanted to fly and the, they were not afraid of the consequences because their passion and of passion for curiosity was so great 
that they put these feathers or fake feathers or whatever it is or made out of wax or before the Wright brothers came into being that they just kept trying. And then other people got curious. Can, can that work? Can that not work? And that led to something amazing. But here's another thing, the, the drawing of the line thing that I was talking about this. Where do we draw that, draw that line? Not everybody is going to be curious and that's okay because let's say you can eat anything off the ground and you're okay but let's say there's somebody who has a stomach that can't handle it or they have allergies now if they start to be curious it's a life or death for them right so not everybody is going to be in that category and then we have these select few who's going to be fearless about living life or fearless about doing things and curious about stuff and then that paves the way and of course, somebody else was curious, like, okay, you can eat peanuts and person B can't. But they found out that they have allergies because they were curious enough to try, like, what would happen if I ate those peanuts? It's a lovely comment that I want to pick, and I want both of you to reflect on that by because it says being curious is all about embodying your creative capacity for me. And for me, when I'm in that flow, I'm never self-doubting or evaluation Mm -hmm. or evaluating the consequences. Embodying the creative capacity. Absolutely. Because true creativity, authentic creativity will only come when we are curious. When there's a blank slate, like now what can you create? Or what is, is it the other happen? way around? I'm just wondering if, is it the... Can be. Okay. I'm wondering too, because I'm just thinking like the areas where I'm most creative and that's um, like cooking. I'm definitely a one pot wonder. Like I'm a really good cook, I promise you, but give me a recipe. That's like my biggest nightmare, actually giving me directions or making me tell me what to do is my biggest nightmare in any situation. But when I, when I cook and like, I just go by, I kind of, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen if, um, wonderful things happen and same with sewing so I like to sew a lot but I I hate patterns I really really hate patterns if I make my own pattern fine from like measurements but like I hate 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 following directions <sighs> um however these aren't just things that I'm like oh I'll just throw a bunch of stuff and it's gonna be amazing because I'm creative and spontaneous and curious no there are like some rules back there there's some kind of something that I'm referring to when I'm engaging in those um there's some rules for lack of a better word right when i'm cooking or when i'm when i'm sewing or when i'm talking to people you i do tend to blurt things out i i'm a very blunt person 100 <laughs> agree with that but i'm still not gonna like start you know swearing at you or i don't know like i whenever i respond to something yes it might be direct and silly or whatever but it's not it's still going to be relevant in some way right there's some sort of convention some sort of context that uh the brain is following so yeah i i, I don't know if the cre what is creativity what is curiosity what um <laughs> what does it all mean um tell us manu as a therapist i'm here for the comic relief honestly <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to maybe ask the questions, not yeah. to give answers. But you bring such an amazing point, though. For, like, you know, you're asking all these questions because you are self-reflecting. And that, that is also part of curiosity. Let's say we forget about inventions, we forget about everything else that's going on, on on the outside. How curious are we to know what's going on up here? 
you know, whether it's in the field of therapy or coaching, what causes us to act in a certain way? What causes us to get curious about other things? Like, you know, can I mix this food in the kitchen or whatever? Like, I'm not, I'm not a cook, listen, <laughs> and, you know, but I'm curious to know what kind of recipes you cook now, but I'm thinking because I do like to eat food and I'm curious about what is this other person doing? Or in this case, what, 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 what are you experimenting with different foods? And that's how different culinary um, expressions have been out there. It's like, it's art, right? You're creating art in the kitchen. For me, it's, you know, going hiking and trying to find new paths, but I want to be careful enough. Okay, I'm going hiking by on my own. Is this hill too steep? Is it raining? Do I have my hiking stick? And if I don't, what are the parameters that I'm going to follow? If I'm not going to fall, I'm not going to slide down the hill. And if I do, are there enough people on this trail that, you know, if I needed help, I would? Or do I just do? Do I did I tell somebody that I'm doing this in case something happens, right? And I'm not talking about like easy trails. I'm talking about where you, you know, pretty much climb without, um, without a harness and all that stuff, sometimes rock climbing and all that stuff, which I started doing again, because I'm getting more curious. And I'm like, yeah. all right, you have to kind of assess. And what you're saying, like, okay, you love to blurt out because you're passionate and you, you're curious about the other person, but you're not going to swear or cuss because you don't want to be disrespectful. So you're following those boundaries. So that's what the line, you know, and that line is everywhere in every which way, whether it's here, whether it's external, in any area of our life, whether we're cooking, like we're going to cook, we know that if we put too much oil in the splatters, we're going to get that on, on our face or a hand, and you're going to get hurt. So you can still experiment, but you probably will hold something to shield the splatters coming in, right? with certain, um, I know with the sauteing and all that stuff, Como probably would <laughs> shed light on that when we're doing the Indian um, sauteing of certain herbs, they just like splatter yeah, out. <laughs> I was curious what it feel, like looks like and I was like, I got the first little thing. I was like, uh-uh, not happening. Don't do it with chili. We're like goggles because when you, when you put the hot chilies in the pan. Good to know. So somebody found that out and somebody <laughs> had to pay that price. Yes. Great. It's amazing that you're talking about boundaries and rules and that like how far to take curiosity. It's so interesting. When I was preparing for the webinar, I was just checking. It's my, I, I don't know, habit or something I like to do is I just put the word on Google and search what comes up for it and what are the synonymous and what are the antonyms in, as per the dictionary. And right. one of the synonymous of the curiosity came as pride. And I was like, Ooh, that is interesting because prying is something which not a lot of people would like and appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. And while curiosity is, uh, is in our perception or how we view it is something positive, something which enables you to <clears throat> learn something new or grow into something, prying could be considered to be something... Mm -hmm not good it's bad or it's a sin or whatever so but still they hold the same meaning yeah so it's it's probably the difference just lies in where is that boundary that sort of stops being helpful and useful and when does it start to become harmful both for individual and for the system Another word that comes to mind for me, though, too, is control, actually, mm -hmm. um, as you were talking. So 
part of curiosity and, you know, trying something new. Um, I, I think part of it is also taking control over your own choices and being able to define your own boundaries. Um, I don't know if that's making sense to you or not, but it, it that just occurred to me that, you know, what when you look at people who come from very sheltered backgrounds, when they finally have the freedom to make their own choices, a lot of times they go absolutely crazy and they try everything. It's a curiosity, just completely berserk because it's like, it's this attempt of, I couldn't do this my whole life. You know, kids, when they turn 18 and they go off and have their adult life, they make some, not some great decisions sometimes. Um, and there aren't that many boundaries. So yeah, I, it's, it's curiosity can be a little bit of a, not necessarily negative, but just, you know, not necessarily positive. <laughs> right. And I think Como brought that point up where, you know, prying is the words, you know, the language, when we give meaning to language, and then we create some stuff that's going up here, it can take either positive, negative, good, bad direction, but is it really? Because let's say I was stuck in a box somewhere, I hope not. <laughs> How, like we would say like, but the person tried to pry open the door to get me out of the box, right? Mm. In that case, now the word pry is now something that just saves my life. It's positive. Mm. Mm. So it's the meaning that we attach to the words that we're using. Wonderful. And so if we look at curiosity as like curiosity killed a cat, now I just attach a negative meaning and now I'm imprinting that into people's brains. Like, okay, curiosity is not good. <clears throat> it's gonna keep you unsafe. And now when I say, well, someone was curious and now we're taking the benefits of electricity and we're, you were able to cook your food in the microwave and we don't have to walk in the dark with a lantern trying to worry about fire because we're enjoying this electricity, right? Mm. That was because of curiosity. Now I just imprinted a positive meaning to curiosity. So it really is how we attach the meaning to the words we're using. Absolutely. And if we can keep curiosity as a neutral and just kind of balance, like, you know, we always talk about, you know, earlier before we were like, just be still, <laughs> right? <laughs> if we can just use the word curiosity in a stillness and see, is it respectful? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Will it be for the benefit of ourselves and others around us? Then yes, the meanings attached to curiosity will probably be positive. Now, will there be sacrifices along the way? Probably. I mean, that curiosity is going to have consequences that could be beneficial or not beneficial. There's only one way to find out is on to act on that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. You know, what someone asked in the um, in the chat, if is, is curious as a coach, is curiosity something that I need as a coach or does my coach need it? And um, I'm glad that it came up because that's what was happening in my brain, too, because I remember my first uh, I've had several failed attempts at being coached. It was not a good experience. And then the first time that Ram coached me was also not a very good experience because um, I don't know, I felt like he took a lot for granted in terms of the relationship that we maybe had, which we didn't, like I knew his son and he knew his son, but doesn't mean that we knew each other. Anyway, long story short, he was very curious. Now that I know what good coaching is, Ram was amazing. 
but he didn't establish that rapport. So maybe he wasn't so amazing. I felt that his curious questions were so intrusive. I remember I was so annoyed. I did not like, it made me trust him less. And um, I wonder if that, if that happens, like we talk about, yeah, asking curious questions and being curious and inquisitive as coaches, but you know, at what, again, at what point is that appropriate? And is that something that we need because what ICF says it or because we needed it because we feel like it's the right thing? (laughs) And at what point is it actually bad for our clients? Because honestly, sometimes like, I just don't want you to ask me questions, Um, especially if it's doing something tough. Yes, lovely. You know, we have the four questions of, well, what would uh, change if you achieved your outcome or what would not change? It's like, don't freaking ask me because this is already tough. Um, coach, I get that you're trying to do your job, but you're not helping. But Magda, that's the most important part. And I think you answered your own questions. Rapport is so important. Before we can ask those personal questions and serious questions, we have to have that rapport. Like I have to ask them really, and I'm, if I go beyond the norms of just, you know, coaching, when I go into therapy, I have to ask really tough questions. And I have to do what because I have to put the client or the family first. Am I asking those questions? So now the question becomes for us as coaches or therapists or, or in that parameter. Are we asking these questions because we are curious about it for our benefit? Or are we asking these questions because it's going to challenge our client enough? Is it going to help our client enough to understand how it's going to benefit them? Now those questions could be super hard and that's why, that's where coaching comes into being. Our, our job as coaches, as a job as a coach for me is to challenge and push my clients. But knowing the right, enough, right amount, when to stop. If I ask too many curious questions to a point where the client is not ready and I have to know that assessment, is my client ready? Because if I push them too much, they're gonna shut down. They're gonna put their defenses up. They're not gonna work. And if I push them just the right amount, little bit uncomfortable it's like that that sore muscle we get when we're working out in the gym we're like oh i know it hurts but it's so good for me it's like we're not collapsing on the gym floor but we know like this this hurts but it's i'm gonna go back tomorrow again Mm. so that's where we need to assess ourselves how much curiosity are we going to portray and how much restraint are we going to have when dealing with our clients and i think that is so important Yep. You know what, though, not everyone has that skill, right? And I know that it's like with everything, it's a muscle. Um, but the reality is some of us have more emotional intelligence um, than others. And some of us have more self-awareness than others. And some of us have more self-awareness about our emotional intelligence than others. Um, and, you know, we do, I know that in coach training, like we, we do touch on these subjects, right? But at the end of the day, like we're not measuring people on what is your emotional intelligence and how well can right. you tell when to uh, push a client? Because I mean, we look, we try, right? We try to measure coaching competencies, et cetera. Um, and we do evaluate our coaches. But at, when you practice this stuff, like you don't necessarily encounter the kind of client that needs a bit of pushing and, and maybe a bit resistant. So like... I don't know, like how, as a coach, like how do you, if you don't have that super awareness or that you don't have the awareness that you don't have the awareness, like how, how can you still be a good coach? Can you still be a good coach? Well, you develop it. Just like you said, practice, you know, we, we learn the basics yeah. first, right? As time goes on, you keep challenging yourself as a coach, as a coach, as a therapist, I would tell, you know, my fellow people or my fellow, my coworkers, if you're a coach, get your own coaching. If you're a therapist, get your own therapist. 
Why? Because we are also developing. And it is essential. Like I wasn't just born like emotionally, like, you know, perfect. I'm not, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm a work in progress even now. And I will be, but I know a little bit more things now and how to restrain myself now than I did maybe 10 years ago or 15 years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. So it takes, you know, we do our basics and we do our bachelors and we do mastery. It's when we start attaining mastery over this, then Slowly, we're going to be like, okay, this is where we need to restrain. These are the type of questions we need to ask. And you start feeling the people. And and let's be real. Most of us in the field are in it because we have enough curiosity because we want to self-discover. At least I'm hoping so that most coaches and therapists end up in this field (laughs) because we are self-aware and we have certain level of awareness. If we didn't, we'd be doing something else. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the fact that we are here. Most of us are empaths. Most of us are more worldly aware. We have a certain wisdom within us and some certain curiosity. I mean, that's just the basic, basic. Absolutely. And if someone's not in it for these reasons, I'm frankly a little scared. <laughs> you yeah. know, and the second thing that is super important is that by surrounding ourselves with stuff like this that, you, you know, you all are doing, having these conversations, getting it out into the open and you know, from what I understand, Como, like having like a support group for even coaches, because let's get real, we're human. We are going to have our biases. We are going to have our hangups. You are going to get that one client where you're like, oh my God, how do I push this person? How do I do my job as a coach? For me, it gets even, you know, a little bit different because I have to really, really have that discernment. Is my client coachable? Or is there something else going on? Because I cannot cannot mix the two. Therapy and coaching cannot be mixed. Can they go hand in hand? Yeah, sure. But I, I personally will not take on to a role with a client who's been my you know, client from therapeutic point of view, and I'm not going to be that person's coach. Not until that one relationship has completely you know, been done and certain time period has passed. And vice versa. If I'm coaching someone, what are the intentions? You know, I think Violetta had brought up something about intention. It kind of jogged my memory about something different. But what is the intention? Why is the person wanting to be coached? And what are the what are the basics? And has something come up during coaching now that will that person be able to push themselves, or is that is something else happening? Yep. on the surface or within or, or within their mind or within their heart, whatever it is. Like life happens, right? So I think that's where practice, <laughs> Magda, and believing in ourselves that if we are in this field, are we allowing ourselves to grow too? And and being okay with and not being so um looking at ourselves in a way where we're like, okay, I got this. I'm now certified. I don't need this. I'm good. I'm perfect. No. Shedding that belief and being like, okay, how can I continue to grow, continue to evolve, keep that curiosity alive, and through that, and through practice, you know, emotional intelligence, it's going to keep growing Hmm. if we allow it. And if we don't, if we stunt its growth, (laughs) I have no comment for that. I think (laughs) What you said about that we're all empathic and we all have some self-awareness and we all come here with because we do have certain things in us. 
one question which was resonating in my mind with what you two are sharing is that as coaches or as therapists, are we approaching our clients from a sense of doing good or from a sense of really this, this curious space that, okay, who is this person really? Or how are they, or how did they come to be in this space where they are? Or what will it take for them to make a improvement or make a move from the place where they are? So, so what is really driving us because as long as it's just our sense of doing good, we are just appeasing ourselves in a way. But mm. in a way, I feel like this natural curiosity and sort of helps us uh, put more focus or put more attention to the clients. So in a way, it brings that client centricity much easily. What do you have to say about it? I don't think it's doing good. I think it is the curiosity. I think I, I like, you know, unconditional positive regard. Maybe it should be unconditional curious regard because it's, if you're trying to do good, then you're already putting something of you onto the person. Like it's not about us as coaches. It's all about the client and it's about helping them help themselves. It's, we're just here to hold the space. Like that's our job. Honestly, Absolutely. we'll be transparent for all that matters. Um, so I think if we're anyone's in this to do good, um, I just, I feel like that's too you centered, yeah. um, then yeah, the, then the client centricity. Um, and I took that away from one, another coach who was sharing that, that by coaching the clients, you know, she said that I learned so much in that space because I get to learn from somebody else's life, somebody else's experience, witness somebody's journey, witness somebody's story and being a part of it. <clears throat> so I think what curiosity makes possible is uh, this client centricity and great, great learning for us as people. And humility also comes along with that, that, okay, yeah. Yeah, and that's actually wanted to add something else. Um, so um, Manu, at Kocharya, we actually say there are no uncoachable clients, only unclientable coaches. So uh, that, there's that humility again, right? I love like, it. I love it. It's, if the coach knows what they're doing, you can coach anybody. Someone has to be willing to want to change, to want to be coached. That's different, but doesn't mean they're not coachable. So. Gotcha. I also want to bring one point, which was put in by Vinita in the chat box. And the chat is like buzzing. It's moving so fast that I'm not no. able to pick all the beautiful points and questions. So thank you, everybody, for sharing and being with us. Uh, Vinita raised a question, something related to the impact of bias on a curious mind. Can you just sit with this and just reflect, you know, how does it really show up? How would we connect or relate bias with curiosity? I mean, there is, I, I think it's kind of inherent, right? As to what we're curious about, um, for better or worse. Uh, what I just thought of is actually not a very nice thing. Like I think about, I don't know, serial killers. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's what popped up ahead. I watch a lot of thrillers and things like uh, serial killers start off by what? hurting animals. They're curious. Oh, what's going to happen if I pluck the wings off of a blah, blah? What's going to happen if I slice open that squirrel? Like it's terrible, but right. that's, that's curiosity. And that's horrible, horrible, horrible. 
so yeah, I have a bias against that, but I think that's, you know, it's, it's a healthy bias. I think it's go back. I think in, in the case of curiosity, bias can be kind of like those healthy boundaries a little bit. Um, I should not be curious as to what's going to happen if I murder an animal. Sorry, that's not cool. Um, Sorry, Manu, you were not expecting that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, my heads are turning because I'm curious right now as to whether I should call Molly if I should talk to her about the medical field and the history of medical field or I should keep my mouth shut right now. No, 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 please go ahead. <laughs> so, Magda, so like if you look at the history of the medical field, like really how now we have surgery and we all, and I'm grateful that we have this beautiful thing that's going on in the medical field, right? But how did it really start? No, yeah. uh, and if you look at it- an Anesthesia until the late 80s because the medical field thought that babies didn't have, couldn't right. feel pain. Even before that, if you go even before that, the first surgeons, right? The first mm. ever surgeons or first ever medical field, curious people, where did they get the first human cadavers and stuff? Like, I'm just going to leave it at that because I'm going to draw my bias right here. You can, I know, you can I know, I know, I know. So yeah, I mean, I know. There is a level of like, and, and we all as human beings have our biases. You know, when if we say that, and if I sit here and say like, listen, I don't, I'm not, I'm not biased. It's, it's, it's a lie. But yeah, and, and I think Jennifer did talk about empathy modifies bias. Thank you for that because it's true. When we truly become empathic and open-minded, and we're like, okay, am I being biased? And is that helping? Is that hurting? Is it? Am I biased because somebody else is different? Because I'm afraid of something? So remember, like you said something about client-centered versus self-centered, right? So when I'm so afraid that I have this bias that's not being helpful or beneficial for someone else, now it becomes about me. So how can I be client-centered or person, you know, it becomes about myself. So shedding those biases comes with our growing empathy, you know, and evolving. And yeah, it's just how we look at it. Like no two people will ever think the same. We can be like-minded. You know, Komal and I talk sometimes and we have similar values. We have so many things that we share, but we're not just one brain like fused together, right? I mean, that would, that would be, I would be curious to know what it would look That'd like. That'd be pretty cool, like, actually. Oh, Whoa! And the world help everybody, right? <laughs> Every problem solved. <laughs> I don't know if it'll solve the problems or will enhance the problems. I don't know. Are you curious to find out? <laughs> no, I'm not that curious. It, it comes with our uniqueness. <laughs> it comes with our uniqueness. It comes with how much are we willing to shed those biases? How much are we willing to evolve, willing to create that, that bond? And isn't that what life is about? Yeah. Do we want to disconnect from one another completely and just be like, okay, this is just about me because how isolating can that be? And does, I mean, are there people who like to be isolated? I'm sure. Yes. And they're like, and I will always say there's nothing wrong with that, but the majority or the human essence and the spirit, it's not an isolate. It's, it's not, it's, 
it doesn't like to be isolated. So what are we doing that? And how, how willing and how committed are we to ourselves? And yes, that's where, and if you look at this from not a self-centered point of view, when we commit to ourselves to growing, to being curious enough to see how are we going to enhance someone else's life, now you're doing that self-work, not for your own self, but for, with, but for the people around you, for the community around you. Because you stop looking at a, at a single level, you start looking at a group level and hopefully furthermore the community level or global level. So it's just like, okay, we, but we have to start with ourselves. Yeah. And curiosity, I believe, also helps break the biases. So when we are talking about the world full of biases, and I believe, you know, I also, I think, commented on one post by Vinita about biases, where I said that biases are to be aware of and not despised, because that's how our brain also sort of sorts information and makes sense of the world. But where biases become limiting, I think curiosity plays a very important role in trying to break that bias. And uh, also there was one more point, Manu, which I would like you to take because out of the three of us, you have experience of working in that area with, with trauma. Yeah. Uh, so how does curiosity uh, support somebody who's had traumas? Or traumatic experiences in their lives. So when with trauma, that's such a it's such a wide question you've asked me right now, Komal, because it's not an easy thing to answer because I could take three hours talking about just trauma and how to navigate around that. And um, but if we look at depends what kind of trauma it is too, you know. Because when we just say trauma, like we are, we all have trauma, like to some extent, like we were born, it was a traumatic experience coming out of the womb, mm -hmm. you know, but, and I'm not like undermining, there's no, there's like different layers of trauma and trauma impacts everyone differently. We could have had the, all of us sitting here, three of us that I can, I can see you two all. And then we have other participants all of us can have the same exact experience, but it affects each one of us differently. Hmm. And so now let's say someone who's had trauma of a loss of a loved one, right? They lost someone at a young age. And this is just a hypothetical thing that I'm putting out there just to kind of simplify. There's, it doesn't do justice to what I'm saying, but I'm gonna try. How do you deal with that loss? One person can possibly be like, okay, they, they start working, they cope with different ways. Another person could take to drugs, they could take to something else. Another person could take to overindulging themselves and I don't know, eating food hmm. or getting addicted to something else. Or some people could take the time to be like, okay, this is part of life. You know, I had a good time with this person. This was the only time that was left and they cope with it differently. As a coach, now it becomes, we have to like feel the person, right? Who we're talking to, what's the impact it's had on them? And what kind of questions are we going to ask? 
that is going to use the curiosity to benefit our clients. Because let's say I have a highly traumatized individual sitting in front of me who's had a domestic violence situation, let's say, and it does happen, and they don't even know that they're in it, and you ask the question, it just triggers them, hmm. right? And they start be like, well, you shouldn't be talking to me like this, and da 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 Now what do you do? What are the follow-up questions? Are we going to shut down? Are we going to be like, hey, what brought this on? I'm curious. And having true empathy with curiosity combined together is the key following the body language of your client and, and really being in tune. And, and I think, you know, I was reading one of the comments by Priyanka, like, you know, she writes, as coaches, our very own curiosity can be a trap for us because it might trap us in our client stories if we aren't aware of where we are heading to. That's a very important thing. How can we navigate around a situation without being sucked in? That's the key. That's where commitment versus attachment comes in, my friend. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Sure. I'm sorry to interrupt because things come up. So um, I, I, I was in a relationship where I was abused for about five years. While I was in it, I didn't know I was in it. Um, it took me years to understand what happened to me. Um, took me years to get over it. I'm still getting over it, I think. It's been now, it's been... 10 years in July that it ended and it's still like, I hear the words and it, anyway. Um, so at the time, had you asked me any of these things, no matter how you have asked me, yes, I would get defensive. I'm sure I would have different reactions. There's no way in hell that I would be able to admit to myself that that's what I was going through. Um, so as a coach, um, how often do you go back to this kind of thing? Like, I understand, you know, this whole like intuitiveness that, that, that we need to develop and emotional intelligence. And I bet you 100% that if you go back to people who knew me whenever they would be like, you know what? I knew something was wrong. They knew. But if you ask me once and I say, no, everything's fine. And you ask me three times and I say, no, everything's fine because I did. And I thought I was the reason that it was happening. And I thought that it was my fault and that I deserved it and that I was unlovable. All these things you hear, I felt them. Like, how much do you push? Like, I honestly, if I don't believe in regrets in general, I just feel like life happened, move on, right? You was good or bad, but you learned something. But if there's That's one thing that I wish had happened is I wish someone pushed me. I wish someone was a bit more dogged in what was going on in trying to understand, because I think if someone had pushed me more in a position of a therapist, of a coach, of a teacher, of a mentor, I would have maybe gotten out of it sooner. Okay. So first of all, Magda, I wanna thank you for you putting yourself out there and sharing what you just did, because I think there are so many people so many men, women, children, elders who experience what you probably have. And it's, it's hard to just like, just put yourself out there. But understand that by you opening up, you probably, you know, allowing other people to experience this as well and be bold about it. And what you're experiencing becomes the territory now of a therapist, mm -hmm. not a coach. 
and holding space. And if that's where you were, sometimes we have to just hold space for the person who is traumatized. Going back to Komal's question, holding that space becomes very important. Holding that neutral space. That even in that moment when we're judging ourselves, making that okay, that that's normal, that that's normal to experience that, but also validating that person that it's not your fault, but if you're feeling it's your fault, you're allowed to feel that with, because of whatever you've gone through. Now, I'm not going to go into depth with that because that really it does, it does not fall into the parameters of coaching whatsoever. So coming back to coaching now as coaches, I'm hoping that we can have that discernment that if there's a trigger and that something happens, when do we let somebody else or an additional professional handle that. Yeah. And you start continue to coach and empower your client to know that, okay, you know, we're working on these goals, whether it's your career, whether it's, um, I don't know, family goals or lifestyle goals, whatever it is, spiritual goals and continue to work on that. Meanwhile, yeah, you know, e even in my coaching or my therapy, and I have to always say both together because to me, they're not, they're not the same. They're not one in the same. Not. They're 100% right? not the same. <laughs> they're not one in the same. I think we're on the same page. I'm going to keep saying that a million times. So I'm blue in the face. Um, I always like assess and I keep checking in with my clients. Hey, is this too much? Like, you know, work with them, mm. you know, really bond with them in the way like, okay, are you able to handle this? All right, we're going to do this. I always let them, I let the people know this is what's going to happen. This is going to be tough. Today after session, you're probably going to want to do some extra self-care. And then based on the feedback I get, I'm reassessing goals every few weeks. And I'm, I'm looking at the progress because when I'm looking at the progress with my client, they're like, oh, yeah, I did this. I got this, you know. And then I revert back to like, okay, this is where we were four months ago. This is where we are today. Mm -hmm. So this way the client can actually see where they were and where they are and where they want to go. And when they have that, they're able to focus. And then it's almost like a reward system too. And then they get curious, like, what's my potential? Where can I go now? Like, I do want to do this. Yeah, I'm seeing the results. And going back to, like, if we get stuck in the stories, or if we're triggered and we don't get the help as coaches right away, then it becomes like a standstill. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes okay to take a break for like a few days to a week from coaching from therapy it depends because you don't want to like overdo something like just like we have a recovery period from our muscles in the gym same with our brain sometimes you do need a brain break and it's okay can I ask you a follow-up question though because uh, I this is a practical webinar I, I brought this up because I'm hoping that can be helpful to people and um you know back when I was going through my stuff um, I had a mentor. I had, you know, people of that I respected and looked up to, um, and I kind of had a coach. Um, there's no way in hell that you could have forced me to go see a therapist at that time, especially 10 years ago. And, and before that, when the abuse was happening, like going to a therapist was not cool. It was something <laughs> had a different meaning than it does now. Thank God that changed. Point is, that would not have been an option to be like, you know what, Magda, I think I need to refer you to someone. Honestly, that would have made me feel like shit. I would have felt like, wow, so even you can't help me, even you don't want to talk to me. So um, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? 
Um, so I guess my question to you is, especially because, you know, this webinar is about people who are maybe getting into coaching. Mm -hmm. So when you encounter this and you see that your client is triggered in some way, I think my question is like, how do you, you, you can't just be like, oh, somebody else needs to handle this, no matter how nicely you say it, right? Like how can you bring it up again at another point because you've noticed that that thing happened? Um, should you? And if yes, when and how and how often? Like, yeah, just try to be practical about it. What, what would you do, coach? The <laughs> <clears throat> so vulnerability. In order for us to allow our clients to be vulnerable and be open with us, we have to get real with ourselves. Let's be real. We got to be vulnerable. We got to be honest. We got to be transparent. And listen, I have been triggered when I, when I was dealing with my clients so many times. And I was like, oh, God, what do I do now? Refer, refer. No, referral is not an option, right? So I had to sit with it, get present to it hold that space for myself, you know, chuck my pride somewhere in a corner, go get the help, be transparent with the person I'm working with, like, hey, this has also brought something up for me. Now, if you're working with a child, I don't, I don't recommend that. Like, if you're working with an adult, that will only bring you closer and create a rapport and be okay with it. For crying out loud, we're human. Before we coaches, therapists, anything else, we're human beings. We are going to experience stuff. You know, we're not robots. <laughs> and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and become present with ourselves will allow us to even become more empathetic with our clients. And just be real. And, and when we are 100% real with people, they will understand. It actually creates a but not, I wouldn't say symbiotic relationship, but it's more like, um, help me out here, guys. I'm looking for <laughs> two plus word. two equals more than four, whatever there that you is. Go. Two plus two is 22. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say, but along those lines, I just couldn't figure out the words. Yeah, me that, either. That's what happens. That's where the magic lies. You know, when we become present, honest, vulnerable, allow ourselves to be human. That's where the magic lies. Thank you. And what I also heard, and I wanted to bring back that point is, Manu, when you use the word like, when you are curious with your clients, they become curious too, when they start to become curious. So it's like, it really serves its purpose when your clients learn it and when your clients allow themselves to be in that space that they are now helping themselves, that they are now present for themselves. And uh, yeah, that's something which I'll remember in my mind. And we are coming close to our time and I would really love for our lovely audience and participants to say, what is it that you are taking away from today's conversation? I know there've been lots and lots that have come for people, uh, all the ideas and everything. 
And Viditha is saying curiosity is a start point. It becomes a journey when you are on a listening mode focused on self-bias and vulnerability being used to its best potential. Wonderful. Thank you, Vinita. <laughs> Susan is saying, be careful with my curiosity. <laughs> Jennifer is saying, curiosity is fraught. Stay open to many interpretations. Absolutely. I'll add mine. We talked about curiosity killed the cat, right? Yes. But I'm <laughs> mine live for a reason. So you know what? It's okay that curiosity maybe doesn't lead to the best outcome sometimes. You got my life. Live a little. Live a little. Yeah. Eat the freaking sage. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Just make sure that you're near a hospital in case you need to get taken there. That's all. Yeah. And be free with your clients because somewhere sooner or later, with a lot of respect and kindness, your curiosity will rub on them and they will start to become curious about what's happening. And I think. Magda, what you'd said, like what could have happened, maybe more than a push, maybe somebody curious around you was required to really look into so that then you can turn your curiosity inward and say what's happening with my life. Curious and brave, right? I think the, consequ <laughs> the consequences yes. are really important. Courage and curiosity. Courage, Courage and curiosity. Yes. Goes, we don't want to become serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is what you get when you invite me to a webinar. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's there's always somebody else for the wisdom. I'm I'm here. I'm here for the curiosity, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful, though. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been both enjoyable, insightful, and invigorating conversation. And uh, yeah. We started with being curious, like, let's see what's going to happen. You were curious well. about it. And let's continue being curious on coachnook.com. Yes. I have to plug that partly because it's awesome, partly because you can continue these kinds of conversations and um, partly because it's also awesome. I don't really have much else to say, but it's wonderful. Thank you for having um, me, Kamal and Magda. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for sharing yourself with me. Manu, I feel um, like you and I need to get a cocktail at some point in the future. Yeah, or, or tea or coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm good with either or. Fine. I will remember what you said about the cocktails, about the intelligence factor. I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. You'll have the coffee because you have a good head on your shoulders. I'll have the cocktail Listen, because I'm, I'm going to have a cocktail fine. because you said that I'm curious to know what would happen if I had a cocktail. <laughs> Love it. Lovely. Um, cool. Thanks everyone for attending. Okay, everybody. So have a wonderful you will, day. We'll have this recording on our website uh, by yeah. Friday and on YouTube. So if you miss something, want to revisit something, don't worry. It'll be on coacharia.com forward slash blog. And um, I will definitely ask Sylvester, who does all the editing and stuff, to go through the chat because there's some really great gems in the chat this week. And we will definitely add links um, to LinkedIn for all three of us, uh, for any of you who want to connect with us and to Manu's books for sure. So please yes. check our blog on Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good day. Good night.